Thank you very much, Cameron. Good morning, everybody. Hello. Whoa, voices springing up everywhere. It's great to see everybody this morning. We're really thankful that you've come along to our family carols. Don't forget to plant in your mind next Sunday evening, four, six, and eight. Remember to invite people. And this is how we can live out our faith, by stepping out. And this, our theme this year, we're learning to live out the nine fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it just so happens that it falls that this month is on patience as we wait to see what we're going to get at Christmas. Now, as Charlene said at the start, you might not just recognize me as Lawrence, the kids and youth coordinator, but you might recognize me as shepherd number two from the live nativity. Ah, rumor has it that I have been nominated for an Oscar. So just before I thought I'd preempt with my speech, I'd like to thank my stylist, Alison, who's at the back. I was looking well there, wasn't I? And the director, Natalie, for taking a chance, you know, it just shows you're never too old to set another goal or dream for your life, which is, oh, thank you so much. But we had an amazing time, over a thousand people through our live nativity, and our fair was yesterday as well. And we're praying that um, there's been lots of money raised for Wealthy Parish Community Association. And I've really had this word on my heart, and it's been something that God has been doing for the last lot of months in my life. And what I've called this morning is hip, hip, hurry. Because hurry, as we'll see, is, is Dallas Willard says, is one of the great enemies or is the great enemy of spiritual life. And I'll chat a wee bit later about a book that I've been reading by John Mark Comer called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Now, I thought I'd show you some pictures that I showed the evening congregation when I was speaking at the end of October, but I, in October, I got to go over to America for the first ever time to my cousin Jack's wedding. Now, I was groomsman, and there was a lot of hurry involved in getting there. I had a cinnamon residential for lifeguards, which was in London, so I had to fly to London, was there 14th to the 17th, the wedding was on the 19th. And I got out, I flew out to America, and then had to try and get upstate. So he didn't just drag all the family out to America. We were three hours outside New York, and I missed my train up. Because my phone glitched when it was updating, and it was a disaster. I was lost in New York, like in Home Alone, number two, when, he's, when Macaulay Culkin is lost in New York. But eventually, I made it. I got to stand up and witness this beautiful ceremony, and I also got to do a deep dab in my suit with Luke. And if, you zo if we zoomed in on the background, you will see people giving us really dirty looks, thinking, what are those Irish people doing? Um, deep dabbing. But I got to visit New York as well, the city that never sleeps. And you've seen it on the TV, and it was just crazy. I got to visit the only 24-hour Apple store in the world, and that's where I got my phone fixed so that I could find where I was going, but I was thinking, 24-hour Apple store? Who would want to buy an iPad at three or four in the morning? And when I was outside it, trying to flag down a taxi, there was a man being pinned down by like about seven NYPD officers. So it was kind of like, welcome to New York. It was a wee bit crazy, but also being upstate was really nice because you got to see, you know, proper American culture, I suppose. New York was just a big mesh of everything where I was actually getting to spend time just in, in a small town where it was peaceful, where actually it was a steady pace of life, a balanced pace of 
life. And it really did show you the contrast between the city and out in the towns or out in the country. And it was, it was about balance. Even if we think of the film, The Lion King, as Mufasa shows his son Simba the kingdom, he talks about the balance, the circle of life. But when the king dies and when Simba runs away, the balance is thrown out, the hyenas take over, there is a different order to things and it is chaos, okay? Because then when Simba comes back, he comes back to take the throne, to take his rightful place as king and then he restores balance. And Ecclesiastes 3 talks about this balance, how there's a time for everything. For everything, there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. And then it shows the balance of life, that there's a time to tear down and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak. In the Garden of Eden, it describes what life was like when it was perfectly balanced. But then... Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God and they brought sin into the world. There was this sickness. And kind of like when we're hurrying, sickness is usually a sign that, that we're out of balance somehow. I know when I'm pushing my body too hard, when I'm pushing my mind too hard, then I, if I catch a cold or something, it's my body's way of saying, Lawrence, you're doing too much or you're not getting the proper diet. My body is telling me something is up with my balance. Or when I have anxiety or I'm struggling, maybe, you know, with things like that, it is my mind telling me, Lawrence, something is not right. You're out of balance. You need to get that balance back. And how did Jesus restore balance? Well, it was coming down as a baby. At Christmas, we, we celebrate how Jesus came down to restore the balance that we had upset, that Adam and Eve had upset when they disobeyed God, but how we then continued sinning. It wasn't all on Adam and Eve. If we were there, human nature, we would have done the exact same thing. But everyday life, we are faced with having to try and get balance. The eat well plate shows us the balance we're meant to get. And when we don't get that, we end up supplementing it with things that are harmful for us. So energy drinks, if you're having to take these all the time, it shows something is up with your balance. And a lot of the times we would just blame, you know, for things, you know, being out of balance, we, we would just blame laziness, maybe. And I love this. Lazy is a strong word. I prefer to call it selective participation. I, you, you can butter it up whatever way you like, but it is just laziness. But that, and that's why we have got a comic book out called The Invasion of the Lazy Beast. Because yes, it is a big problem, but sometimes we forget that actually hurry is also a huge issue and something that we can all suffer from. And especially at Christmas time when things just get that wee bit more hectic that wee bit more mad, you can see the traffic is already starting to build up and then the anxiety goes up because you're like, am I gonna get there in time? Am I gonna get to the shops? Will that be left in stock or have I left it too late? And this is the book that I've been reading by John Mark Comer called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And I've just been struck by it. There's so many Christians talking about this and lo loads of us could do with probably reading it, if we think about our lives, our daily schedules, our weekly schedules as well, or just what we're like at Christmas. And John Mark Comer's mentor is called John Ortberg. You've maybe read some of his books. And John Ortberg's mentor was called Dallas Willard. And it is him who said, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. And he says, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry in your life. And why? 
because love, joy, and peace, which is three of the fruits of the Spirit that we're called as Christians to produce, he says love, joy, and peace are incompatible with the life of hurry. I want you to think about what you're like when you're stressed. Do you produce love, joy, and peace? And if you don't, well, that's why you need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. An example of a Christmas movie that kind of illustrates this is Jingle All the Way, when Arnold Schwarzenegger, who has a busy life, a busy job, he's kind of neglecting his son, but then he wants to do something special for him, and then he realizes very last minute that his son wanted this turbo, turbo time, you know, turbo man doll, and he realizes, oh no, I've left it too late. And the whole film is about him hurrying, being impatient, getting into fights. And sometimes it can be a picture, maybe not as extreme, but what our lives are like, what our minds are like, and maybe what it's like behind closed doors because of this thing called hurry. Because yes, Christmas time is all about gifts and giving and receiving. We also need to get a balance there as well. If we make it all about getting, then it's just all about us. We give it all about giving, well, yeah, that, that can leave us, you know, a wee bit short as well. Because if we tip the balance, we just make it all about getting, well, then we can end up with this thing called entitlement, where we just think we deserve everything, we don't have to work for anything, we don't have to give anything. And we can be like that as Christians as well. We just expect that God should say yes every time we pray. We don't have to do anything. It's just all on him. But also, if we're always giving and giving away pieces of ourselves and never receiving, well, then we just end up empty. And that's not good either. Billie Eilish has this song um, about getting everything she wanted. It says, I had a dream. I got everything I wanted. Not what you think. And if I'm being honest, it might have been a nightmare. Because, yeah, God is our parent in heaven. He knows what we need. And yes, we, we will always pray, this is what I want, God. And he doesn't always say yes. And I know so many prayers that I've prayed to him and he said not yet or he said no and I've been like, oh, that's why you didn't say yes to that prayer because that would have been a nightmare if you had said yes, God. I thank you because you know better. You know me better than I know myself. And what is important about balance is working on your core. A lot of people, they love to go to the gym and there's maybe people here thinking, January, I'm gonna do it you know, gonna get fit, gonna join the gym. And we love working on the t-shirt muscles, the things that everybody sees, but you can't neglect your core because that is what gives you balance, physically, but also emotionally, also spiritually. And we think about the apple core, yeah, I've been working on my core because we don't want to let that rot as well. And even taking an example with relationships. As Christians, we need to have God at the core but then you can see the different circles. Balance in relationships doesn't mean that everybody gets the same amount of access to you, the same amount of time from you, because that wouldn't be cool. We need to set boundaries. And if we say yes to every single opportunity, every time someone wants to spend time with us, it will just take from us. It'll, it'll become chaos, like when Charlene said yes to every kid who put their hand up, and you saw that it was chaos. Um, you kind of you see that can be what it's like in our minds when we say yes to everything. God at the core, close friends, close family, for example, friends, then other family, and then acquaintances, others. And that is, for example, the problem is with social media, with our phones, with emails, everybody has access to us 24-7, and it blurs all the lines. 
And then that means our lives, our minds, our bodies become chaos. And we need to restore the balance by putting God back at our core and then setting healthy boundaries. Sometimes we can replace God with things like money, but also we can, we can replace him with things like ministry. For me, that, that has been me for, for a lot of years where sometimes God has been displaced by my ministry. And sometimes that can be just a cover so we don't have to really deal with what's going on in our hearts. We're like, well, I'll stay busy and I never have to be alone with my thoughts. And this kind of hurry becomes like an escape, becomes an escape from reality. So we don't have to really deal with what is going on inside. I love what these verses in Ephesians tell us. This is what it's like about having God at our core. And Paul says, and I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Then, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. That's what it means to have God at your core. And for that, it does, it takes awareness. We need to be aware of how we're spending our resources, how we're using our gifts. We need to think about what are the barriers to balance and what are the things that bring it. And for that, you need to be aware of what that is for you because it's different for everybody else. It's different for an introvert or an extrovert or any kind of personality. For example, barriers to balance might be too much screen time, not enough sleep, poor diet, Sedentary lifestyle that just means sitting on your bum all the time, spending too much time with people who drain you or a lack of boundaries. Or things that might be bringers of balance might be exercise, sleep, a balanced diet, being in nature, being in creation, using your gifts and talents, spending time with people who treat you well and build you up, and healthy boundaries. But the Bible is just full of also things that will bring us balance and good advice. Psalm 46.10, surrender your anxiety. Be silent and stop your striving. Be silent. You don't always have to have music on. You don't always have to have noise. Be silent. Stop. Be still. And you will see that I am God. I am the God above all the nations and I will be exalted throughout the whole earth. Joshua 1.8. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. But the last quick thing is we've got to beware that there's artificial balance and then there's authentic balance. Jesus came to give us authentic balance. An example of just a really easy one for artificial balance is chocolate. You know, how many times have you had a bad day and you just think, oh, I just love some chocolate. And it kind of restores balance, you know, like temporarily, and then you maybe feel guilty about it or your sugar levels spike because you've had way too much. Um, And if you're always supplementing it with things that are actually bad for your health, then that's not good. And even spiritually, good works can be an example of artificial balance because Actually, God came not to give us religion, but to give us a relationship with God. And if we're always trying to supplement sin with good works and never really deal with the sin, well, then that is not going to give us balance because we just want the things that are comfortable. We don't want to actually maybe deal with the stuff that's really there, so we'll cover it up. But a comfort zone is a beautiful place, 
but nothing ever grows there. And Philippians remind us that, that we're meant to have the mindset of Christ. It says, and consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. He existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to season equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example, even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. Christmas reminds us that God sent Jesus for us to restore balance so we could have a relationship with God because our sins separated us and God knew he needed to restore balance. And he wasn't in a hurry. He could have sent Jesus down as a 30-year-old man to start his, his ministry just there, but he knew him being born to a virgin, to being born by Mary was part of the process. That nine months um, of, of, of pregnancy was part of the process. Growing up was part of him knowing what it was like to be human so that he could share in our suffering. It was all part of the process. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry in your life. And for example, with me, and this is, I'm, I'm gonna sing a song that I wrote recently, and for years I've been saying to God, well, I feel like you want me to write songs, but why don't you, like, give me songs? And then I realized it's because I was always hurrying. I was trying to fill every day with stuff, with ministry, with good stuff, but it was kind of like trying to fill my days with chocolate sometimes. And God just wanted me to slow down, and in the summer, he really spoke to me, and I decided, right, I'm gonna stop hurrying, I'm gonna start taking proper Sabbath days. And as I've done that, he's been downloading songs into my heart. And I'd love just to, to share one, um, a, just one about Christmas, about following that star that God put in my heart a couple of weeks back. But just um, before, as I get ready, Charlene's just gonna come and lead us in a time of response, a time of prayer, um, and then I'll sing.